Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com. All right. Wow. 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 No pressure, right? I mean, no, nothing to live up to on that one. <laughs> wow. Um, we, you know, it, it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, Paul and I have the privilege of sharing together at different churches when we come back to the States. And, and, and this sounds like I'm just giving you some kind of line. I promise you God's listening, okay? It's not that even though I was born in Everett, Paula was born in Texas, I met her in Maui, we live overseas, every time we come here, we feel like we're coming home. We do. Praise God. We really do. And I'm really serious about that. It's such a, an honor to be here, but it's, it's, it's like reconnecting to family. It really is. And staying with Sal and Rhonda is a joy and a blessing for us. And it's just so, it, you've been around people, it just feels like it's just easy. That's how it is for us. So thank you for welcoming us back. It was really nice. I'm going to have Paula share for a couple of minutes before I get rolling here. Yeah. Um, we, oh, hello, it's on? Yeah. Okay. We really consider you part of Think Small because you guys, we couldn't do what we do without you. So the story that Gary's going to share is the story of you and all of us together. It's the story of God, what he's doing around the world. And I, I, this is the, we've been here several times, so I think most of you know us, but I'm just going to give you a little brief summary of our life so you kind of know who we are Uh, Gary like you said he grew up in Everett I grew up in Texas and he went into the Air Force uh, when he was 18 I will say this Paul grew up in a town with about a population size of what's in this room in West in West Texas I can't believe you're gonna make fun of my home and I always tell her it's always (laughs) fun at Christmas time because I always tell her that that their city tree is a tumbleweed right <laughs> decorate it oh man <laughs> he's always making fun of my hometown yeah. does anybody ever do that to you yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about it yeah. later yeah. anyway <laughs> anyway no it's true my mm-hmm. town was really small mm-hmm. and then but my parents they moved to Maui when I was 19 so I moved out of that little town and mm-hmm. I moved you have anything to say about Maui no, 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 no. <laughs> how can you say something bad about Maui <laughs> Anyway, I lived in Maui for 30 years, and um, I was a neurotechnologist, and I never did get married over there, and I got saved when I was 40 years old, and then um, Gary, at at that time, he was a business guy. He was a national manager for Nestle Corporation, and so I met him in Maui when I was 49. And we got married when we were 50. So Now, why is that funny? <laughs> yeah, is that funny? I, it's, it, if, you're, if you're single and you're not married and you're yeah, a woman, it's worth right. waiting. There's a it's husband worth waiting. waiting for some of you. Yeah, of you right. Yeah, yeah. So then um, I moved to Seattle and got a job there, and Gary got a jo- had a promotion. And so we bought this big new house over in Mill Creek. And we had a car, and we were doing our jobs, and we were in the marriage ministry at our church, and we were living a really, really good life. We really loved our life. And then Gary 
uh, invited me to go to Thailand. He took me to Thailand on a vacation to go kayaking. And that is when, that was uh, when our life really did a dramatic turn. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to do a dramatic turn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Paula Hayes. Yay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, wow. It, it, it really did. The, I'll tell you a little bit. Before I even get into that, I just want to introduce you to somebody. And you know, By the way, uh, Paula, uh, one of the great things about being married to Paula is, as you know, you marry the family. And I married into, like, the greatest family in the world. And Paula's dad passed away a few years ago, became the dad I never had. Uh, Paula's mom, still going strong at 80, 89 and kicking. In fact, she was over in Thailand not long ago, you know, walker and all with the mission team and, and made every step. You know, she was amazing. And, uh, but she's uh, living in Maui still and just an amazing, wonderful, beautiful person. But, but since I get to talk about my mom for just a minute, I'm going to share with you just a little bit about this lady right here. Um, I was reading Proverbs recently, thinking about Mother's Day and just thinking about my mom. My mom passed away eight years ago. And the most, really, the most courageous person I've ever known in my life that just stood for incredible things. But in Proverbs, it says, you know, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise. She gives instructions with kindness. And she carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. This is a perfect description of my mother and probably many mothers sitting here today the generosity of her heart uh, in very very difficult times there's a, there was a lot of drugs and alcohol and abuse in the family and yet she was the pillar of strength and grace within all of it and if I tell you much more I'm gonna start getting choked up here because I'm telling you uh, God created ladies in a very, very special way, and they fill gaps for us guys, that, and they teach us so much about patience and grace and love. And so my mom, I'll tell you real quickly what happened with her. She was born in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Has anybody ever heard of Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan? Hey, cool. Wow, this is cool. And you're from Nebraska, and you've heard of Moose Jaw. <laughs> I don't even think people in Saskatchewan have heard of Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. <laughs> But she was born there, one of nine kids, uh, pre-Depression pre era, okay? And one day, they, they had a farm. Her mom, dad, and the kids had a farm. And the dad decided to run away with a, uh, another person <laughs> and left my grandmother and nine kids. So the way Canada did it back then, at least, is they took all the nine kids and they put them in nine different homes. And then my grandmother would spend her time traveling between the nine homes to visit her children. So it was a tough time. My mother was raised by a pastor in, uh, around the Vancouver area. So she grew up and, and always, you know, we never really went to church as kids. Uh, it just wasn't a part of our, our family culture. But my mom always prayed. And she always referred to God very kindly. And I asked her one time, actually three months before she died, she was in hospice with a tumor. 
And do you ever think you know somebody? I mean, really, really know somebody, and then you have maybe perhaps known them all your life, and then you discover something about them that you assumed, but you discovered you had the wrong assumption. Well, my mom was a pastor's kid, and I asked her uh, as she was, you know, last couple months in hospice, I said, Mom, tell me about what it was like growing up. I mean, my, my, my grandfather, step-grandfather who raised her was a circuit rider. Anybody know what circuit riders are? <laughs> you know? Yeah, and they, they would go around and put up big tents, have tent meetings, and it was, you know, real old-fashioned stuff. And, you know, thousands of people might come into these big tents. And I, would, I asked Mom, I said, tell me about that. She said, oh, it was wonderful, and, and we would travel around. And I asked her, well, did he have altar calls? Oh, yes, oh, yes. Uh, and I said, would many people come to Christ? Oh, yes, many, many, many people would come forward and give their hearts. And I said, well, and so where were you at the time? And she said, oh, well, I wasn't in there, of course. I was outside with the other kids. And did you ever have that moment (laughs) when the Holy Spirit is starting to tap you on the shoulder and you're saying, is it possible that my mom has never actually given her heart to Christ? And I thought, I can't believe I'm even thinking that, but I'm going to have to ask her because she's laying right here. I said, Mom, um, have you ever given your heart to Jesus? No, I never have. I said, Mom, would you like to now? (laughs) Yes, I really would. (laughs) So, praise God, I had the greatest moment maybe of my life in being able to see my mother come to Christ. And now I know there will be a day. I will see her again. And be able to thank her again for the life that she has given me. So praise God for moms, praise God for my mom, and praise God for all of you who are, because um, God created you in a very special way as well. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about, this is actually where we lived before we left for Thailand. I'll give you a quick summary, because I know some of you already know our story. Uh, But we lived in the Bothell Mill Creek area on the west side. And we had a you know, decent house, we, brand new home. After we got back from Thailand, uh, right here was my home office, right there. <laughs> and uh, when we got back from Thailand, we were all settled in for a couple weeks. Paula walked into my office. She said, something has been on your mind ever since we got back from Thailand. What is it? <clears throat> and have you ever heard yourself, especially as men, say something without thinking? Like Pavlov's dogs, you know? I mean, the, the bell rings, the, you know, they start to salivate. <laughs> and you don't even know what happened. But she asked me, what is it that's on your mind? And I never, I, have, I, I promise you, I've never had the conscious thought before that question. And I don't even think I had it while I answered. I heard somebody, sounded like my voice, say, I think God, we only own this house, by the way, for four months. It's a brand new home. I think God wants us to sell this house sell the car, move to Thailand to be missionaries. As soon as I said that, I thought, who said that? (laughs) That wasn't me. And the second thought was, 
Usually when I say something that's sort of impulsive, out of the blue, without thinking, it's when I follow it up with an apology to, to Paul. I, oh, I'm so sorry, honey. I didn't mean it to come out that way or something, you know, like that. And I was getting ready for my apology, and she looked at me and said, I can't believe you just told me this. And I thought, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, me too. And she said, God has told me exactly the same thing. So I think I fibbed and said, yeah, honey, I kind of felt maybe that was the case, you know. <laughs> I knew it. Uh, but of course I didn't. And the next thing you know, uh, a few months later, we're in Thailand. But one thing that, you know, that I was looking at not long later is that voice of the Lord. How did I know it was him? How did I know it wasn't? You know, there's, there's only, I will say, as, as a, standing here as a follower of Jesus Christ, who is my Lord and my Savior and my hope, and I strive every day to get closer to him. There's only been a few times when I was 100% sure it was the voice of the Lord. That was one of those times. And people will ask us sometimes, well, why, was it hard? I mean, you gave up your career, you sold your house, you sold your car. I mean, it just sounds so hard. You had to struggle with that. When you know it's God, there is no, it would be hard to not respond. It would be hard to live with denying what you know was real. And I just want to encourage anybody who hasn't given their heart to the Lord today, if that's going on inside of you, if you feel a Holy Spirit tug today or any time in your life and you're holding back because of some element of not wanting to release and trust, release and trust. I promise you, you'll never, never, never regret it. You'll never regret it. One step at a time. So what we did is, you know, there's a scripture that I like in Deuteronomy 28.1. If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord, your God being careful to do all of his commandments, not just say yes, but follow, that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. Now, I can't promise that will happen to us or you. In fact, that's not even my goal. We don't want to be high. <laughs> above all the nations of the earth. We just want to serve. But what it's saying is God will reward you because of your faith. If you'll simply trust and follow. It sounds simple. It sounds too simple. It's not. To follow Christ is not always easy, but it's a simple pathway to freedom. Promise you that. Uh, Okay, so when we went to Thailand, we got on our little plane. That's Paula in the back, right there. And we started flying. There was a lot of turbulence along the way, you know. And, <laughs> and we, arrived, we arrived in Thailand. And, and some of you, Sal, Rhonda, you know, a variety of you, know what that's like. Because you were there 14, 15 months ago. And thank God for the team that came. Your mission team was such a blessing to the teams that we have in Thailand, and to Paul and me, thank you for your encouragement. For you know, I know Sal's talking about giving and all. We 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 just love whatever happens happens. We don't actually have expectations. We don't come here to try to fundraise per se. That's not us. We just want to share with you what God is doing. That's all. That, that's what we want. We want to to just glorify Him. That's it. So here we are. Here we are in Thailand, 2005. And Thailand, for those who have not, who's been to Thailand? 
Wow, a lot now. <laughs> okay, for those who have not, Southeast Asia, right here, the yellow country, uh, south of China, uh, by Myanmar, it's a, almost a landlocked country, and it's a country which is mostly Buddhist. 95% of Thai people are Buddhist. It's a democracy technically. Right now, we're not in a democratic, a pure democratic situation, but we're going to have elections, they say, soon. Uh, but most are Buddhist, half of 1% Christian. And that's after 200 years of ministry or missionaries. So, and I want to tell you something. Those people are my heroes. People say, well, they didn't accomplish much. Is anybody a farmer? Anybody farm here? Anybody know what it's like to try to farm on dry, arid, hard soil? You live in Wenatchee, right? <laughs> you, you either know it or you know about it. It's hard. It takes a lot of time to loosen up that top layer so that seed can grow, so that a tree can grow, so that a harvest can happen for 200 years. There were people in Thailand who gave their lives. for 200, They gave their whole lives sharing the gospel. Some were executed, beheaded way back when. And many of them never saw one person come to Christ. But you know what they did? They were pulling that topsoil loose. You know, Paul and I are not heroes at all. All we're doing is saying yes, but they are the heroes because they're the ones who prepared the way. Yeah. So if you ever go to Thailand, you're a terrific place to visit, as you know. If you go just for fun, like we did, Terrific place to visit, great beaches, floating markets, rice fields in the east, hill tribes in the north. You'll see a lot of history and culture, elephant rides. How many got on an elephant when we, yeah, woohoo. How many stayed on the elephant? Okay, okay. <laughs> you hope the same number of hands, you know, goes up, you know, when you do that. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great country to visit. Even if up in the north, you swear you're in Leavenworth. You know, it's not with the snow, but just with the greenery and the rivers. That type of, it's a wonderful place. Anybody like Thai food? Oh, yeah. Okay? Okay? All right. One tip. Thai food in Thailand is better than Thai food in Wenatchee. <laughs> I'm sure it's great in Wenatchee, but I promise you it's even better in Thailand. And so, you know, great stuff happening over there. But here's what happened to us. Paul and I went over into for two years. We taught English. We were driven to Thailand by this right here. All missionaries are driven to be missionaries based upon what we call the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is where Jesus, when he ascended back to heaven, he said, oh, before I go, <clears throat> I've got one small little assignment for you, eleven. I would like you to make disciples of every nation on planet Earth. See you later. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, wait, 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 where are you going? Where are you going? That's a big job for 11. But he said, as we talked about this morning, I will never forsake you. I will be with you. I will send you a helper. Holy Spirit, I will guide you. Do what I do. Follow my commandments. He gave us the whole recipe. So, the first two years, 
Paula and I taught English at the Foursquare Church. And it was a great thing to do as we were trying to figure out why God had us there. Because, you know, when he said go to Thailand, he didn't say what to do. Sometimes he doesn't. He just says, trust me on this step. Then I'll show you the next step. And for me, in business, I want the whole five-year plan. I want, the ten, I, want, I want it all. I want the spreadsheet. I want the pictures. You know, I want the research. I want justification. I want all that stuff. But sometimes God doesn't do that. He just nudges you to the next step to see if we're willing and able to follow. And so for two years, that's what we did. While we tried to pray for how we can answer the Great Commission to bring people to Christ. That was our dream. Thailand, become a Christian nation. How are we going to do that? We can't do that. We're two white people in an Asian country. How can we do that? And one day, oh, by the way, uh, we, were, we were talking one day, and Paul and I were sharing the gospel. We led two people to Christ in two years. Okay? And praise God for those people. Someday I'll see them again. But we started thinking about this big vision of transforming Thailand. And I looked online, and I found out that Thailand has 66 million people. So I thought, at the pace we're going, <laughs> I need to ask for a 66 million year life to make any... And if nobody else is born along the way, you know... And so I thought, maybe what our dream is, we have to shrink our dream or change our strategy. So God led us to a new strategy. It's kind of like the Dr. Phil thing. <laughs> How's that working out? <laughs> and we were sort of stunned by the whole thing. It's like, well, Doc, it's, uh, Lord, it's not working out maybe to the degree that you've put in our heart. So we started praying. And, we, and, we, and some of you know this, but... Um, there was a time when we felt, okay, we'll do anything. And so we would say, we'll do anything, anything. Maybe it's not English, maybe it's something, but we don't know what to do. And show us the way. And so we would almost chant it, you know, we'll do anything, anything, anything. And eventually, even if we're not qualified, I thought with my business background that the Lord had got a hold of my resume and was so impressed... <laughs> You know, uh, that it had to be business because that was my training. You know, and, and so we thought, okay, what if it's not? What, what if God is calling you into something that has nothing to do with your education or your training? What if you think you're too old? What if you think you're, we were 52? What if you think you're too young? What if you think you're too educated? You know, Jesus doesn't care much about statistics and about those things, when he calls you, he prepares you. That's it. It's a simple thing. So he shared with us a scripture that began to change our whole way of doing ministry. First of all, it's in Psalm 78, verse 4 to 8. And I'll go through it pretty quickly to conserve time, but it's a tremendous element of scripture in Psalms written by Asaph. Uh, tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. Okay, who's the next generation? Maybe standing about this tall, you know? Saw some of them today, praise God. Some of them are right here today. You know, 
Why? <laughs> Why would we do that? Why do we need to share the gospel with children? Well, if you go on in verse 5 and 6, it says, He decreed statutes for Jacob, established the law in Israel, which he commanded ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, and they would in turn tell their kids. Okay? That sounds like child discipleship. Right there. So I'm reading through this, looking for a strategy, asking God to show us something. What would happen next? They'd put their trust in God. Those kids would trust trust in God. And they would keep his commands. Children become followers. Not just theologians, (laughs) but followers. And what would happen is what I was looking for. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation. Boy, that would hurt. You know, who was that? <laughs> who was he talking about? My, my generation. Whose hearts were not loyal to God, but whose spirits, and whose spirits were not faithful to him. That sounds like transformation. That sounds like raising a new generation to transform a whole nation, if you could reach enough of them in a shorter period of time. How many believe that the United States needs a spiritual transformation? Oh, man, I hope you do. <laughs> How many believe Wenatchee needs a spiritual transformation? Praise God? All right. There's a way. There's a way. Don't give up on anybody, including the oldest person you know. But the long-term, effect, uh, uh, the long-term process of transforming this community for Christ comes to the children. The most open and hungry group in your entire community that represent probably 25% of the population. Are we talking to them? Are we bringing them into a relationship with Jesus? So that's what we have to ask ourselves. Okay, so how do we do that, right? So that was our big question. First of all, sadly, children around the world are under attack. Our future is also them under attack. So what do, who's going to do something about that? And what does that look like? And what can we do as a church? Well, we started recognizing that in Thailand, there's a myriad of things that are hurting children. 30% of the population, or 32%, is under the age of 15 years old. Child trafficking, child abuse, drug use. 30% of Thai kids use methamphetamine. 30%. And it's getting worse. It's not getting better. It's getting better a little bit with, with what we're doing, but right. when we came into this, it's not, it wasn't getting better. Uh, child abuse, a hidden sin. We hear about trafficking, right? It's very sexy. It's on CNN or Fox. You hear about it, but the hidden sin is what happens behind closed doors in the, in the family. That's what happens normally is the abuse of children. It's the disrespect of God's children. Um, Shrimp peeling, children are taken from um, families and even internationally into the shrimp boats to peel shrimp, begging on the street, still many homeless from the tsunami, and X-rated child trafficking. I don't have to tell you what that is. You know what that is. Number one in the world, Thailand. It shook us. It shook us because, and it's amazing, You have to understand, Paula and I are not parents. We've never had kids. 
Neither one of us. It's funny. Married at 50 years old. Neither one has ever had kids. We never spent a moment of our life in children's ministry before this. In fact, we had never been on a mission trip before this. <laughs> People would sometimes say to me, you're an unqualified success. I said, well, unqualified for sure, you know. <laughs> uh, we're here to testify that your qualifications are good enough for God. But this is true in South Asia, where we are now, uh, since the last time we saw you, uh, are now in South Asia with a tremendous team. You know, these are kids in uh, coffee plantations doing hard labor who are taken out of the train stations, for example. Brick fields. This issue of trafficking and abuse, we can look at it and get really discouraged. We should be but only a little, because man's tragedy is God's opportunity. It's op it'll open a door for us. It's us who can do something about it. The Congo, we have a tremendous team in the Congo. Look what's happening in the Congo. If you, anybody see the movie Blood Diamond? Okay, a few of you. Uh, Blood Diamond is, is a pretty accurate depiction of what's happening. Kids are stolen out of the villages, put into the diamond mines and the rivers, gold, magnesium, cobalt in eastern Congo. Child armies are often sent into the villages to get the kids and kill the parents. It's as sinful and horrible as you might imagine, and there are sins happening within this I cannot say from the pulpit. They're horrible. Satan has had his hand on the Congo for a long time. Witchcraft, etc. The future of their nation. Burundi. Little Burundi. Teensy little country. East of the Congo. Poorest nation of the world. Six million people. Tribal warfare. You know, the Rwandan genocide hit Rwanda, Eastern Congo, and Burundi. And there's still strife between a lot of the tribes. Again, same problem with labor, trafficking, child trafficking. 50% of the population of the Congo and of Burundi is under the age of 15 years old. 50%. The average length of life is 52. So when I go in there, they think that I'm like either reborn the second time around. Or so. they, they can't believe someone's still standing at 65, right? And uh, <laughs> Kenya, we're, over, we're starting a new, I'll show you in a moment, a new uh, ministry in Kenya next month in Nairobi. Same problem. The point is, this is happening everywhere. How about here? Just found this on the internet yesterday. Judge orders two trials for a man accused of sexual abuse. You think sometimes these things are happening somewhere else. Maybe it's a Seattle problem. Maybe it's a Kenya problem. Father's appeal fails in East Wenatchee. Child abuse conviction. Right here in our own community. Who's going to do something about that? Where's the source of the problem? 
Well, praise God that we have the answer to know where the source of the problem is. According to Matthew, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, slender, and those thoughts create our values. And whatever we value the most, we behave in accordance to those values. Now, the good news is we can change that, but that's where it starts. New laws are good. Prosecution of the criminals is good. It's not going to eradicate the problem. It's source. If you are a farmer and you have a weed (laughs) and it grows above ground, what will happen if you just cut the top of the weed? It'll just come back. It'll just come back. That's the same thing as this. Jesus himself talked about this. So how do you change the heart? Well, I suggest Romans 12 too. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because what you dwell on and what you feed starts to change your values and you, became, you start to be transformed and behave in accordance to those values. So God gives us a formula. Spiritual problems require spiritual solutions. <laughs> you agree with that? Yeah. <laughs> Where is the hope? Well, Matthew 12, 21 says Jesus' own words, in his name, the nations will put their hope. Thailand, South Asia. I can't mention where we are in South Asia. Um, It's a country that, you know, if we're not recorded, I could tell you, but uh, you know it, but it's persecuting Christians so much that I can't even mention their name now. Congo, it's the same hope. Burundi, right here. Right here. It's the same hope. Jesus is omnipotent. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. And he is ready to transform this community and our nation. Our ministry is called Think Small, and we have a simple mission statement, producing new young followers of Jesus for the purpose of the Great Commission, to transform nations. That's it. New, meaning They weren't believers, now they are. (laughs) Young children, followers, not just church attenders, followers of Christ, like we all want to be. That's how, because they will have the influence of their own generation and others. So I'm going to show you a little video uh, and a few slides from our other Africa that many of you don't know much about uh, from our from our ministry, and this is for some of the people that may not. Good music, no video. <laughs> Hello. Is there no video back there? There was a. Maybe can you can you just hit the maybe the button and see if that screen goes away? That cover screen. If you click it, just click on the screen. That's funny. Well, let me tell you what we do. (laughs) You'll see a few pictures of it anyway. Here's what we do. We train local Christians how to go into the church to train and mobilize the church to go into the community in order to reach kids 
and teach those kids how to be safe, how to protect themselves in advance before the trafficking happens to them, before the abuse happens to them. Prevention. And you know, every church can learn how to do that. It's not complicated. Not every church, praise God for the ones who rescue girls out of trafficking. We need churches like that, but not every church can do that. Our focus is how do we reach that generation and bring them into the fold of following, being the follower of Christ. So we have different teams. And I'll show you some, some things. You'll see it. Four teams in Thailand. Some of them, some of you may have actually met Tom and Mai in the past. Awesome people. Uh, they came here you know, a couple years back, a year and a half ago. Uh, and we may bring them again. But we have a team up north. And these teams, if you, if you were in business like I was, think of regional teams. They are responsible to reach and train the churches in their area. We also have a team up in a restricted nation. Can't name the name. Communist nation. Been there for six years. Unbelievable the fruit that God is doing in areas that you think would be impossible. This is not about Gary and Paula, I promise you. This is about Jesus. This whole story now is about Jesus. Our part is kind of done. We're just taking the little steps as he shows us. That's all we're doing. Now, since we last saw you, we have a very uh, unexcitable team in the Congo. (laughs) Can you imagine? These are my heroes. In the midst of the bullets, in the midst of the trafficking, in the midst of the sin of the Congo, right in the heartbed of the war zone, they're fired up and excited to go out because they see hope now. These are children in the Congo coming to Christ through Think Small. Just a couple of pictures. South Asia. In October, just after, just after visiting, uh, we got this team going in South Asia. Not a big team. Five people under the age of 30. And a great couple that is leading, overseeing that country, first, first team. Now we have two teams, by the way. It's split up into two teams. And I'll share with you in a few minutes a little bit what they're doing. Hindu children, Muslim children coming to Christ in villages, in schools. Burundi. Now, some of you have heard about this Burundi explosion. Yeah, Yeah, wow. You know, it's just kind of like, it's kind of like the, you ever have the toy, you wind them up, you set them on the ground, and you just stand back and watch them go? That's that's how I think about Burundi. You know, it's like, we've got this great leader who's really, we have three teams uh, of people who are reaching churches in Burundi. And I want to share with you a little video. This one should work. (laughs) About what just happened Easter time in Burundi, so you can ca- sort of catch some of the excitement of what's going on here. Bless the Lord! My name is Gift. Me to a gift. We are the children from different denominations. We met one Christian family worship the Lord, dropping small gospel child protection craft. Thank you! 
Visions of Heavenly Papi Kishnawa Yesu Christ for the following purpose. First, Gambere to evangelize the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to proclaim his love. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. Oh man. Watch that all day long. Uh, Niger, we have a new team in Western Africa. And uh, we started uh, this team in uh, November of last year. Paula and I flew to Western Africa with our Burundian leader who helped us train up this new team. And uh, in a Muslim country, 99% Muslim. Paula working with some of the young ladies who actually heard our music and came in one day into the church. And there's a little lady coming to Christ now. South America, we just got out of Peru. We have a brand new team in Niquitos, right on the Amazon. Same problems, folks. This idea, this scourge. You know, Satan has declared war on the souls of our children. He's declared the war. He's active in the war. The question is, are we? Are we going to be? We have everything to win. All we have to do is participate with God's tools. We'll defeat Satan easily. Peru, new team, brand new team, literally weeks old. <laughs> Kenya, next month. The two team leaders right here. The Burundi team is actually going to go to Kenya and train them up. Train up a brand new team. Federal Way, Washington. <laughs> Can you believe that? We have uh, churches in Federal Way that want to come together and talk about developing a team. Right here in the U.S. I never thought that would happen. That was sort of a you know, full circle kind of a thing. Praise God. Adults coming to Christ. So I'll share with you in a moment the numbers. But you can see... That, you know, we do workshops. One of the things we do is we do workshops for adults, for parents. And we invite parents in from all over the, the community. And we teach the parents how to be good parents to protect their children. But more than that, our workshop is called God's Calling to Protect Your Children. And they learn that they are his kids. Your kids are actually not your kids. Your kids are his kids. He's loaning his children to you. To manage on behalf of him. And when, the, when these people in Burundi or South Asia or Thailand, and they come in and they learn God's heart, not only the techniques of keeping their children safe, but they, they hear God's heart, they say, this Christian God is a loving God. They say, number two, I have not been the parent I need to be because I thought I owned my kids. And with that ownership came rights to abuse them, sell them, do whatever I wanted. I need forgiveness. They come to Jesus. 35,000 adults now have come to Christ. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. I'll pass by this. I'll show you. I could send this to you sometime. Burundi, these are the children of Burundi. Many of them in thatched huts. The passion of these children in Africa. Their heart going out to Christ. These are our teams. <laughs> 
Southeast Asia, we've seen 186,000 come to Christ since we began this ministry. <laughs> Two nations. Not a lot of people. Sometimes you think you need to have 1,000 people to do that. No, you just need Jesus. You just need his way, not our way. Not our way. God says, my ways are higher than your ways. I found that out early. South Asia, since 2018, almost 6,000 have come to Christ with these five people in a persecuted nation. Africa, which are really Niger, DR, uh, Congo, and Burundi, 102,000. Since January of last year. This is God. Don't, don't give credit to Paula and me. This is what God can do when you release to him. In 12 years, 294,000 people have come to Christ. And maybe what's even more important, about 270,000 are in discipleship, learning how to be followers. And most of those are young people who are going to transform their nation for Jesus. And those issues of trafficking and abuse you're going to see go way down. And 35,000 adults. Yeah, I just want to finish up by saying something real simple. That's all we've done. That's all we've done. We heard the voice of God. We responded. We prayed that he would show us his way. And we said, yes, that's it. God is speaking to every one of you in this room in some way. Just say yes. And God did the rest. And he'll do that for you. If you'll listen to him, trust him, and take that step, he'll show you the glory of himself that will transform your life. Thank you for listening to Praise Center's Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com.